Are you offering your clients the experience they really want? Or are you offering them what you think they want? Join hosts Laura Gregg and David Partain from FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds as they talk with a variety of industry experts and advisors, just like you, about their latest industry research to help you develop the flexible mindset you need to rise above the crowd. Hello, and welcome to the Flexible Advisor Podcast. I'm David Partain, and I'm joined with my fabulous co-host, Laura Gregg. Hello, Laura. Well, hello, David. How are you today? I am better than a lot of the country, which I think is covered in this white stuff called snow, which we haven't had much of in oh, Chicago this year. I know, and I'll take that. <laughs> I'll take the lack of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Well, longtime listeners of the show know that on the Flexible Advisor, we are all about sifting through the mountains of research, which, of course, Laura loves, and recommendations to share the most relevant, valuable, and applicable information for equipping advisors to both grow their practice and better serve their clients, while, of course, in turn, increasing referrals, expanding wallet share, and growing their revenues. Our next guest has fantastic experience doing all of the above. So including utilizing technology to improve service and retention rates for advisors. So today we will have the pleasure of speaking with Brad Connors. He is the founder and CEO of iWealth Financial Planning Investments and Insurance, and also founder of the FDC Plan on Purpose tool for advisors. Brad is also the author of Fish Don't Clap, love that title, and has been advising individuals, corporations, and institutional investors for over 26 years. His work has been recognized by many, and he has received numerous awards, including the LPL Financial Chairman's Award and Investment Centers of America Spirit of ICA Award. He has been named as a Twin Cities Five Star Wealth Manager Award winner every year from 2012 to 2018. He has been named Representative of the Year as well as one of the top 50 bank advisors in the nation by Investment Centers of America. In his spare time, he has all he also serves as a board member for a variety of diverse organizations in his area. Brad, thank you for joining us today on the Flexible Advisor Podcast. Thanks, David. It's good to be with you and Laura. Obviously, have been a longtime listener since I've listened to you guys present from stage years ago. And uh, it's good to be here to hopefully give back to the community. Well, Brad, I am I'm so excited to speak to you today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I have really been um, very focused on financial planning, especially in the last month and some work I've been doing with some advisory teams. So I'm, I'm super excited to hear about your tool, your planning tool. And uh, But before we could jump in, can you tell us a little bit more about your background and why you founded iWealth and, and um, just give us the lay of the land for you? Yeah, for sure, Laura. So in southern Minnesota is where I grew up and I'm still here. So I didn't, I'm about 10 miles from the place where I grew up and went to high school. So you know, my story really starts at the age of two. I had a, um, I was in a severe car accident and had a collapsed lung. And as a result of that collapsed lung, I received an insurance settlement that went into the bank in the, you know, late seventies and eighties on interest. And we know how well interest rates were doing at that time. And, um, and so that money went on interest and, you know, went on and went to school. I couldn't touch it till I was 18, but I learned how to borrow against that bank account at the age of 17. 
and brought a 1989 Beretta GT, and it was the nicest car in a parking lot. But <laughs> I, uh, I went to prom in that with my high school sweetheart, and we've been married 26 years. But wow. I remember, I remember proposing to Trudy around my 21st birthday, and looking at that bank account, and it was pretty much gone. And that bank account was on the car and CDs and things, and it wasn't invested. And I had people ask me about visiting with other two other financial advisors. And of course, I was smarter than that and didn't do it. And if I would have just been smarter with that lump sum of money, um, you know, what that would have grown today would have been would have been a really nice sum of money. And so I made a decision with my life that I wanted to be able to work with money and help people with money, not make the same mistakes that I did as a kid growing up and as an 18-year-old and a 21-year-old. And luckily, we were able to pull through that. Like I said, we've been married for 26 years, had two beautiful kids, a daughter that's actually in the business now at 22 and a son that's 18. And uh, and I just love helping our clients, but also helping the advising community that we're part of. It's a very noble business. Greg Gunderson was our founder and CEO and president of ICA years ago. And Greg used to always call it a noble business, and it, and it really is when you sit down and help your clients need to need day to day. Wow, that's a, a really inspiring story, actually. And through through that, it sounds like you created the Plan on Purpose tool, which has the initials FDC, which stands for for days coming, which now makes sense listening to your story. So tell us. What spurred you on besides the the borrowing against a your lump sum and finding it had effectively gone to uh, been whittled away? So you built it. What does the tool do? How does it assist a financial advisor as they look to provide better, a more valuable experience for their clients? Yeah. So um, th- th- thanks for your question, David. You know, my story goes back like 28 years ago when I started in this business. So when I started, it was I was by myself. I had some insurance products and a Series Six license, and in 1998 joined Investment Centers of America, which was owned back in the day by National Planning Holdings and now part of LPL. But throughout that time, we're now up to 10 people on our team. You just I continued to add who's. That could help me along the way, you know, a part-time assistant and a full-time assistant move forward. And in about um, seven years ago, I wrote a book called Fish Don't Clap that you mentioned. And mm-hmm. and the reason I wrote the book is I, I just helped too many clients retire and they shouldn't have. It wasn't about the money. We got them there financially. The problem was, is they were miserable after they retired. And, and the reason is, is that they were so worried about just retiring from that job that they didn't think about what they were retiring to. And in Minnesota, it gets pretty lonely in January and February and March when it's cold outside and feet of snow are out there. And so um, I, I wrote the book as a parable. So it's not an I love Brad story. It's a story to help people think differently. And so out of that book, then when it came back to my financial planning practice, there were a lot of concepts that we talked about in the book that we would talk about with clients and not be able to document them. So I, I'm a big user of technology, not a creator. And so for years, I've used eMoney um, as a planning tool. For years, I've used Redtail as my CRM. For years, I've used Riskalyze. And so, and then we have a, a performance reporting tool that's um, called Allbridge that we use. 
So those technologies have always been used. We always had a TV up on the screen and I would share it with clients. What wasn't created was anything around the story around planning. So if you sat down as a client of mine and we had a conversation about social security planning and whether you should file and suspend back in the day or whether you should take it at full retirement age or age 70, we'd have that conversation but then I would document it on an Excel spreadsheet or a note, and it would go into CRM and be buried somewhere. Or the conversation around long-term care, when you tell me, I don't want to buy it because I have 40 acres across the line fence I'm going to sell to pay for long-term care, that would be buried somewhere. And so we created FDC, four days coming, plan on purpose, so that we could inventory those things and make the client part of the process. So it's not math and algorithms like, you know, an e-money and Money Guy Pro. They're a great tool. Ours just fits alongside of it that helps the advisor show the client, client facing a, a better picture of what they're doing from a planning standpoint. And I think that's where the big win has come. That is a, uh, a, a great story. And I appreciate you kind of filling that out because that... It really leads to what advisors are going to care about. That's kind of the nitty gritty here. What is the cost structure for the tool? And and you've mentioned this partly, but how is it different from other planning tools that you've seen out in the marketplace? Yeah, um, really good. So let me just um, give you a couple stats here. Wellstack. So these are these are some companies that we all know about in our world. Yep. Our top three objective of wealth management firms this year for 2023 is improved client experiences add more clients, which we all want, and deepen relationships with current clients. Another stat is from PricewaterhouseCooper, 25% of advisors do not have any visual connection to their clients other than through email. Advisors who resist technology are often overlooked as an option when clients are considering their options. So there's just all these stats out there that, that especially with Gen Z and things coming, that, that we need to be a little bit more client-facing with these things. And so we built it five years ago, we built it for ourselves, and now we're rolling it out to other advisors to use. And I just want to further explain real quickly that there's only two pages to this when a client walks in, Laura. When the client walks in, they pick an avatar for their future. So they're looking at a visual, they're picking a picture of, you know, Rome or a boat or fishing or being with family. So now they have an avatar, the husband picks his, the wife picks theirs. And then we asked the R factor question from Dan Sullivan, a strategic coach, 12 months from now, if you came back in and sat in these chairs, what has to happen for you to be happy? And so if the market's down 800 points today, my client meeting starts with their avatar looking at that again and updating the next 12 months what needs to be done for them to be happy. So it's always on a positive focus. So that's page one. And then page two is where we get into start documenting those stories around the planning. So tax planning, wills, power of attorney, healthcare, family meetings, social security. And it's a time date stamp that syncs back to your CRM. So you also have have some data that you can look back to. So long-winded story on to tell you how much, the, what we're charging, David. So again, put it together for ourselves. So here's what we did. I didn't want any contracts. There's no contracts with anybody. They can start and stop it as they want. 30 days, there's no cost. And then after that, it's $100 a month for two licenses. And that's whether it's you and your assistant or two advisors. And then it's $39 a month for each additional user. So that's how we've priced it. We've had really good feedback with the other advisors that are using it. 
And, um, and again, I just want the tool in more advisors' hands so they can have better client meetings and show up better for their clients. Okay, so one one quick question. I'm thinking about the avatar. Have you ever had what's the coolest avatar you've had somebody use? Well, we have a, we have like twelve that they get to okay. choose. Okay, okay, oh, okay. So bit. you limit so, yeah. it. All right, yeah. all right. But what's really interesting is I've never. I when I first did it, I thought I'm going to have clients push back and say that's cheesy. I don't want to pick that. I just did yeah. it this morning with a client. And uh, and he he sat and studied him. He actually lives part time here and part time in another country. And he ended up picking the the boat, the cruise ship, is what he picked. And his wife wasn't on a call, so we didn't pick her avatar. She'll do it next time. Yeah. But next time we get together, the conversation is, "Hey, you been on that boat lately?" You know. So it's, it's kind of a cool <laughs> that's conversation. Good. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's a visual. Okay, there's. <laughs> There's so many things that were popping into my head while you guys were talking. And so the last thing that popped into my head is I love, love, love that that wife chooses her own avatar. Because so often uh, as I'm talking to folks, they uh, and, and just a little bit background here, we've done a research study, investor, high net worth investor, working with clients and also advisors. And it's a, a behavioral study on how, when, and if your existing clients will choose to give you more of their money to manage. And, and we'll go into a little bit of that later on because I've got some questions related to that. But so often I get the question of, you know, so if my client is a X or Y persona, what if his wife is or her husband is something different? And there's this sense that, um, and maybe this isn't fair, but how those questions are often posed to me is like, I only want to work with one. Like, and, and the fact that you've started with the, the wife and husband each have their own unique avatars is so important because you need to have unique relationships with all of your clients, whether they're a couple or single or whatever. So thank you for that. You you know, it's interesting about what you said, Laura. So you guys have did all this research around personas, which is really neat. And that's where I've seen both you and and David present. My head just went to a client. um, She's a female doctor and her husband. And it's like going to the dentist for her coming in for her client review meetings with me. She doesn't want to talk about finance. She doesn't care about the spreadsheet or the cash flow analysis, but the husband does. When we introduce this FDC plan on purpose and she has an avatar and we talk about the future and then we're just summarizing some of the planning topics around college and their wills, she's engaged. So it's been really interesting. Her persona much different than his but both using different technology, I can get into cash flow with him if he wants. And then she just kind of checks off in the left field while we have that conversation. Well, and I think that's so important because we're so trained, you know, the the data or the, the stereotypes been out there forever. You know, when a, a woman loses her husband through divorce or death, you know, 60%, 80%, depending on your source, will leave their advisor. But we've also done high net worth primary breadwinner research, which says that's not true for all women. You know, when when the women woman is engaged in the advisory relationship, they're actually more loyal than their male counterparts. So it's just so important. And I and you know, I know I'm going a little off script here. So apologize mm-hmm. for that. Um 
And there's one other thing I wanted to say before my next planned question for you, Brad. A while ago, we had a woman on, she's an executive coach, and her whole practice focused on the tomorrow story. So she helped coach, um, and I'll, we'll put this link to that podcast in the show notes, but she really helped C-level executives who were maybe phased out of their organization or retired uh, or sold a company, and they they didn't have that tomorrow story. I mean, you didn't say those words, but I think that's what you're talking about. They mm-hmm. they didn't know what was next. They you know they had a lot of money, they had a lot of options, but they were miserable. And so she kind of helps them as you are doing with your clients figure out what that tomorrow story is because you know just checking the boxes doesn't make you happy. And I have a 23 year old son who he's been out of school now he's been working a year and you know he's got great experience and now he's ready to move to the the next job and uh you know my advice to him is just make sure you're running to something and not from something Mm -hmm. and i think that applies to retirement what do you think yeah 100 percent. yeah i just I've seen too many clients. I've had them cry, husbands and wife, saying it's their worst year of their marriage the year after they retired. Oh. And it was because they didn't have it mapped out on what on what that next phase would look like. And they're fine. They made it through it. But it's a it's a big transition. We all we all dream of the day where our cell phone doesn't ring and text stop and emails stop, but it can be pretty lonely after a month too if nobody wants to talk to us anymore. And a lot of what we do is tied up in our jobs. So yeah, to- totally agree with that. That's so true. So as we've been doing this research around gaining wallet share from existing clients, we know that trust, of course, underpins growing assets with clients, but so does trust or transparency as well. And a lot of the advisors that we interviewed, we asked them about that transparency thing. And they've said things to us like, well, I know I have all my clients' assets. And we said, well, how do you know that? And most of the answers were because they told me I do. But our investor research actually tells a much different story, that three of the five personas that we identify are not transparent. And unfortunately, they're dishonest in many cases. They they will let their advisor believe that they have all that they have, you know, that the advisor has all of their assets when they, they don't at all. And um, with the advisors that we spoke to, you know, I mean, the only way you really, really know is if you see the tax forms and just 4% of the advisors we surveyed that told us they had all the assets had also seen the tax form. So I'd like to talk to you about how you approach discussions with your clients around outside assets. And do you feel that with this tool, you've been able to get more transparency on those held away assets? And how does that all work? Yeah. So, you know, advisors are, are pretty tough people that think that they, that, that they have all those assets. And I'm probably falling that category too, but understanding the personas, like you said, I, I know of clients when I pull up e-money and say, all right, last time you're in your bank account at $76,000, where's that? And they say, well, it's around that. You know that they're holding back on purpose and not not giving it to you. So what's really unique about the tool, so here's how I get around it. Again, all the meetings start with FDC. We go through the positive focus thing. but But then in the back, the second page, 
we have things that we check on, like their wills and taxes. And so every year, their taxes, it's either completed or needs attention. The client has a lifetime plan score, so they can see in front of them this score growing as they complete these things with the advisor. But the taxes is one of the one of the things that we always ask for. And I think that we, we, we have in the back end, the tool starts to create how many tax returns did you look at out of your 600 clients in the database? What's the percentage that needs attention? In any given day, it's 30 to 40 percent that needs attention that we still need to get. So it just depends on if they've been in the office or not. Same with beneficiary reviews. 75 percent of our clients have had beneficiary reviews because we know by the back end tool when it takes a look at it. So I think by discovery, meaning through FDC and through e-money and asking where those accounts are and keeping track. And I'll tell clients, I'm being nosy for a reason. If something happens to you, I need to be accountable to your loved ones and make sure that I know where things are at. And so, although I know there's the clients that probably aren't sharing those things, I think I have a pretty good handle on a lot of them. And the reason we have it is because we ask for it and continue to go through. When a client walks in out of the three advisors in our firm, we all do it the same way. It's FDC, then it's e-money, then it's risk allies, and then it's performance report if there's still time to get to it. So that that's how we do it. I don't have the, the direct number, but I know that we're looking at a lot more than 4% of our clients' tax returns because we're asking for it and it needs attention in the tool. That's great. So, you know, in our, you're familiar with research, but we have the five personas and I won't go through all of them now, but there's a, there'll be a link in the show notes if anybody's curious, but we have one called the simplifier. And this is a great client because they generally will give you all of their assets when they start the relationship, though they view all their assets as a lump sum and they have very little anxiety of moving everything to the advisor that they found. They're easy to get, quick to get, also very easy and quick to lose. Uh, if they feel like you're not paying attention to them, that you're not viewing them, you know, their holistic financial life. And so with FTC, what what metrics are you seeing as it relates to retention of clients? I'm curious about that. And also the asset growth of clients over time. Yeah, I don't have those particular percentages, but I will say our net flows, even with the markets the way they have been, have been very positive the last several years. And from a benchmark study, we're ahead of the of the people that are in our category as far as total revenue for our firm. And I know that through the LPL financial data that we have. So I know retention has been really good. I know net flows has been good. I don't have the exact percentages, but I'll say this. I always say that fees matter in an absence of value. And if all you do is show up and go through a performance report and talk about a couple of things for your client meeting, you're not providing very much value. When your client has 20 different things on the screen at FDC and you're taking years to go through them and complete and have a lifetime plan score, there's a perceived value there. You're providing value to that client. And I would, I would submit that a lot of those clients are stickier clients because they're part of the process. They see it on the screen in front of them, whether it's Zoom or the TV, and they understand it's not just about alpha, beta, and rate of return versus the S&P 500. We're providing value. I just got off this meeting I talked about, and there were four takeaways. And one is we got to review the legal documents again. 
So, you know, they had them done. We opened it up, talked about it. And he's like, yeah, we have to, we have to look at it again. Two, they have to get me their tax, new tax professional information. So there's these things that always kind of come up. There's always something that needs to happen. But now we have his, his follow up line was, can you send me those, that list that was already sitting in FDC? And I just cut and paste and put it in and sent it to him. So I think the bottom line that I would say, the more tools an advisor uses, the stickier the assets are. And I think you'll continue to gain market share, in my opinion only. So I don't want to um, downgrade dentists, but I actually did just go to the dentist this morning <laughs> for a cleaning. So when you. I love talking- my dentist, by the way, David. <laughs> I love, love, love them. Well, I, I do too. But it is not always my favorite thing to look forward to. So I did Brad, that analogy worked perfectly. <laughs> um, the other the other analogy that I loved that I already mentioned was the uh, title of your book, Fish Don't Clap. So why'd you name it that? And what is the book focused on? Yeah. So again, the book is not about me. So a lot of advisors like to write books about their process and things like that. I think if an advisor picks that up and executes like the advisor in the book, the made-up advisor, they'll have a really good practice. But the fish don't clap, and you get to it in the first chapter when, when you read it, David. But it's a it's a public speaker that hits a certain age and it's time to retire. It's time to hang it up. And what he wanted to do more than anything in retirement is go fishing because he loves to fish. And he's sitting out in his boat and he's fishing and he's wondering why he doesn't feel fulfilled. What's going on? And in his mind, he comes to the conclusion that fish don't clap. He shouldn't have retired. He enjoyed being on stage and having Fantastic. people. Fantastic. Yeah. And yeah. so then he meets a guy and it's just a journey that they walk through to get to get back on stage, so to speak, at the end of the book. Wow. That's great. Love it. Well, our conversation has flown by. But before we close, since we have a predominantly advisor audience, are there other gaps in financial advising that you believe advisors today should be paying special attention to? Yeah, what's been really interesting as I've consulted with, you know, we have 90 advisors using the tool now is is how differently advisors run their practice. Had a call yesterday with an advisor that has over a billion dollars in management and they sit down, they have Money Guide Pro and that's it. There's not even a client meeting agenda. Once in a while, they'll create a PowerPoint and things like that. It just there's, there's systems and processes that are lacking everywhere. And it's, mm-hmm. it's part of my unique ability is to do those. So I, I see them. So I think there's a there's a really good chance for advisors to to continue to show up and, and run a better meeting if they start to embrace technology. Yeah. Some technology can be cumbersome, even eMoney and Money Guide Pro can be. That's why this thing is two pages and it's simple and elegant and allows advisors to you know, use it. But I think not having a TV on the wall, you know, no, no technology to even show the the investment report. Everything's printed. I have advisors that I've talked to that are printing out riskalyzed reports and not showing it, you know, online like it's supposed to be showed. So I think I think there's some there's some growing up to do with this advisor class that we're in to to get into using some more technical skills. And then lastly, I've been playing around with chat GPT. I know our AI is like blowing up. If you read the newspaper, it's everywhere. Guys, Brad, I just we were wrote, doing that right before this call. Literally. Funny, I, I just wrote, so I spoke at EWAS where, where Laura spoke at, and I just went into chat GPT and put the date I was at and where I attended and said, write me a press release. And it and it was done in a you know seconds, and it took me 
two minutes to edit it and the thing was pretty good. So so my my point of the AI is I believe investing money for clients it can be done by an IA or by you know flex shares or somebody like that 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 has those tools and things in place. What's not going to be replaced is the conversations that we're having today around planning and needs and the and the husband and wife needing a who to hit the easy button to have somebody have their back with all these different planning topics. And so I think that that's where advisors need to go. It's not my algorithm or AI for trading is better than yours because when you put it all together, they're all probably going to be fairly close. I think it's how are you going to be different than the advisor down the street? And then how are you going to continue to show up and win for your clients, asking them the right questions and documenting it? So that's where that's where my head's going. And I think that's where the tool works. Yeah, that's that's really great. And it is funny. We were just talking about it as a team this this morning. So it's that's why when Laura laughed, I, I almost busted out laughing, too. So <laughs> I, I received a text from an advisor within the last two weeks in Texas that said, hey, have you paid attention to this AI stuff? It's really scary. And my text back was, it's not scary. We're going to use the good advisors are going to use it to their benefit and not be scared by it. So I'm I'm not intimidated by it at all, but it is interesting to pay attention to. Yeah, we were, that's kind of the conclusion we came to, um, that it's a tool and you can use it or, or not, but it is a tool that could be very valuable. Yeah. Well, Brad, it's been a real delight to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much. You bet. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank for, you. Yep, thank you. For our listeners interested in connecting with Brad or learning more about FDC's Plan on Purpose tool, visit fdcplanonpurpose.com or follow the link that is in the show notes. Thanks for listening to The Flexible Advisor. We created this show for advisors to help them grow their business. If you like this podcast, consider subscribing and leaving us a five-star rating or most importantly, sharing our podcast with other advisors. For myself, Laura Gregg, and Brad Connors, we want to thank you, our listeners, for joining us on today's episode of The Flexible Advisor. Thank you for listening to The Flexible Advisor Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds or Northern Trust. All investments involve risk, including possible loss of principal. Before investing, carefully consider the FlexShares investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. This and other information is in the prospectus and a summary prospectus, copies of which may be obtained by visiting www.flexshares.com. Read the prospectus carefully before you invest. Foresight Fund Services, LLC Distributor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Although we attempt to keep the information complete and current, we do not warrant that the content herein is accurate, complete, or current. We make no commitment to update the content herein. It is your responsibility to verify any information before relying on it. The content of this podcast may include technical inaccuracies. We may make changes in the products and or services described herein at any time. 
We provide you this information with the understanding that we are not rendering accounting, legal, or tax advice. Please consult your legal or tax advisor concerning such matters.